Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. My co-host, Steve Walsh. Hello. And uh, this week we're joined by Lord Herc. Welcome to the show, Herc. Thank you for having me in the studio. <laughs> First person to refer to it as the studio, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. It, and the thing is, uh, with the nature of podcasts, you can lie about where you are, can't you? Oh, that Ronald Stone's <laughs> mobile studio, isn't it? <laughs> Historic studio too. This is where we are right now. Herc is a comic smith and narrative graphics engineer. Self-proclaimed. <laughs> so I yeah, the only one in the world, because no one else has put those words together to describe making comics. I think people should use Smith more. Yeah. Like, definitely. you know, what what, oh, what do you do, mate? I'm an audio Smith. What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also an audio Smith. You know this. You do a podcast. You? So comics is obviously how I came to know you. Working in Gosh, you'd pop in. <laughs> and obviously uh, we sell a lot of different publications that you've made or you're involved in um, yeah. we're both in the comics reader for the most recent that's issue right. yeah, yeah. so that's a big tick off my list I'm in the same thing as Herc not yeah. bad is it I mean this one's much better when it's you say in the same thing as Herc you mean the South London Hardcore Studio <laughs> <laughs> yeah just constant collaboration <laughs> there's no projects we're going to be doing separately where can you get the comics reader from Gosh Comics, One Barrett Street, Soho? Can you That's get it? Correct. Can you get it on the internet too? No. Well, I think you can. I think a few. Basically, it's an anthology. I think some artists might be selling it through like the big cartel and yeah. so It's two quid, and it's really worth the money, and it's yes. really large. It's a good thing. But you are a prolific comics creator, aren't you? I mean, I was looking at your blog over the weekend, and there's a bit from about two years ago where you go. Here it is, my 21st individual piece of comics work. And I was like, it just doesn't stop. Yeah, they probably vary in uh, in sort of quality and size. Good to and very good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah it's, I've probably done more than 25 things, sort of small books and whatever. But and that's not counting strips that you've put into other... No, that is actually objects Physical objects that, that you've made yeah, for yeah. yourself. And so. some have been sort of quite rushed because I just like the idea of half the thing for me is actually producing an, an object, object. yeah like it's it. not just the drawing the comics it's actually I, I like books yeah know, do you know what I mean so I want to sort of produce something so in the past not so much anymore but I would kind of just do something just sort of like rush something because I <laughs> sort of like rush through something because I just wanted to do the book maybe I had the cover or something and just wanted to put something out there. So, yeah, they vary in quality, but, yeah, I suppose I've done more than about 25 bits and pieces. The majority of them, I'm guessing, are just not available anymore. They've just sold through and you did. Yeah, gladly not available anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I suppose the easiest thing for people to get hold of would be the static revolts that you've done with, with Kevin. Kevin Moore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, because we started doing that about three years ago. And I'd known Kevin from way back when he used to work at Gosh as well. He actually. did. Yeah. There's a, a, um, a piece in one of the Static Revolters where he writes all about working yeah. downstairs <laughs> in the old Gosh. And it's really odd because like, I've only met Kevin since he doesn't work at Gosh. And in fact, I've only met him since we've been in the new shop. So he's writing all about... I was reading the article and he was like... Uh, or the piece, he's like... Um, yeah, I work uh, downstairs in a basement behind a desk, and it, I 
feel like I'm in uh, a museum or a zoo and people are looking at me. And I was like, does he mean that? And he's <laughs> like, behind me there's this dungeon-like... And I was like, yeah, that is the window behind yeah, the desk in the old bus. Yeah, yeah. museum street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he, and then he's like, sometimes I just like... In my break, I'll just have a, a nap out the back in the storeroom, stacks of... I was like, yeah, it's a storeroom in there. And it was just really <laughs> odd to like seeing him describe uh, this place that I knew. Yeah, we started doing that about three years ago. And yeah, that's got a good sort of mix. We'd worked on something years ago, like about when I first started doing small press stuff called Nice. And it was basically a group of us... Uh, we all had some connection, either worked in Gosh or yeah. had some connection with Gosh, where it used to be. And yeah, just... Nathaniel had some stuff in yeah, there. Nathaniel Andrew had in there. one thing in one of them, I think. I think Andrew I scripted we were... one thing. Oh, right. I thought we were all quite regular. on. We did about five issues, and yeah. it kind of ended up sort of fizzling out. But um, obviously we've all gone on to do bits and pieces, but Kevin and me sort of carried on and... Ended up doing this. So it was nice amongst the earlier stuff that you did as a small press creator? Yeah, it wasn't the first thing. I think the first thing I properly, like, published myself was that uh, I did a comic called Me God, which was kind of, it was like a hip-hop themed sort of comic. Uh, And I did a couple of issues of that. And, um, yeah, I was kind of totally unaware of uh, small press uh, scene actually at the time and it was just I was just doing this comic and then I kind of discovered all the other small press stuff started going to a few of the fairs that were on at the time it's a fascinating little world isn't it like we did uh, an episode last year at uh, a zine fair in New Cross and it is such a sort of liberating thing isn't it you, you just sort of you make something you staple it up you put it out there there's the you know production distribution promotion it's all on you it's very much like the podcast isn't it yeah it is though isn't it it is the thing where you just turn it you know press record you know turn it out yourself like you say like making an object obviously it's not in any way an object but (laughs) do you know what I mean but it's output yeah yeah. but even with that there is an element of of it being uh, an item or a product because when we're putting the post up, we have to like choose a cover picture. Yeah, and you have like to package it. Even yeah, though, even though it's digital, to, yeah. you've still got to find an image for the, you know, your logo and. And you sort of set a tone doing that, don't you? Sort of if you're going to be playful or serious, or you know, so it, the similar thing. I mean, you know, obviously you have a, a, a lot more freedom with uh, print publications, and mm. it's a freedom you take advantage of. You do a lot of different formats and sort of play with the the medium a lot. Yeah, uh, probably more in the past. I kind of, I think, I, I did once, I did a, a sort of like, what was that called? Um, it was like a, la- I basically laminated, laminated this little A6 comic and it was like full colour but everything was like laminated and it was on a couple of key rings. So it was like <laughs> flip over, you could like theoretically read it in the bar for whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's called Much Less Gravy. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, I used to, not, maybe not so much anymore, but I used to like really experimenting with packaging and how I present the thing. But I kind of now, after sort of like, I don't know, more than 10 years or something of self-publishing, I'm kind of starting to tire a little bit of 
of that process and the stapling and the folding. Well, it's and also that, a that thing of, of you're a victim of your own success because more people want copies of, of, of stuff as you get more successful. And it's more of, I mean, it's more of a, a pain in the neck to sort of go, I've got to make, you know, twice as many of these key ring things. I'll just, yeah, I'll just make another five of these. <laughs> <laughs> Flying off the shelves. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's true. Because you, well, you don't table at shows anymore, do you? Um, is that the technical phrase? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, there'll be there will be jargon involved. In <laughs> glossary. You can, you can place it in. Magic uh, bag and border keyring. <laughs> <laughs> just get a bag and you just wind it round <laughs> and then tape it up. And... Yeah, you don't. So, I... in terms of your stuff being out there, it's distributed through shops. Like yeah, gosh, I guess. Yeah, gosh, and other. You can get it from the Fancy Butcher website, yeah? Yeah, fancybutcher.com. I think there's a link to the shop on there. No, you got stuff on Impossible um, Books as well? Impossible Books, yeah, that's another another good space to get it. Um, yeah, and a few other sort of shops around. So what sort of stuff's London. available at the moment? Um, probably at the moment just the Static Revolters. Pretty much everything is sort of out apart from... Out of source, out of print or whatever. Lordherk.com, you get links to all these various other things. Um, one of which is the Tumblr. It's got loads of great stuff on it. Like, you know, we're not, got, like, you can't, old... if you can't get your hands on any objects, which were very rare, it sounds. Uh, <laughs> like, plenty of images and just like, you know, there's loads of stuff where you've, um, obviously, uh, film noir seems to be like a big influence. Yeah, but yeah. it, um, um, there's just some tremendous stuff on there, man. I was scrolling through it, just going, "This is brilliant." Yeah, yeah. Like those, those. Um, the, what was it? Is it called Bazoink? Bazoink. Well, yeah, that's kind of the thing I'm working that's on. That's pending, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but if you like... just people go and have a look at what, oh, yeah, no, yeah, what was uh, what's done yeah. so far. There's no way you can look at it and not want to own it. Do you know what I mean? There's no way you look at it and go, "That'll do." I don't see these two ways. You want to see more of it immediately. It's um, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, you're a bit worried about Buzzoy, can't you, as a title? Uh, yeah, well... It's well, I've said like, it wrong, so that probably no, worries you a little. Did you? I said Buzzoink, didn't I? It sounds like a <laughs> uh, sort of a comedy porno mag, doesn't it? <laughs> Which will be the next... Someone in Viz reading Buzzoink. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I thought, yeah, B-A-Z-O-I-K. And I thought... Yeah, it's just like sort of a berserk in some kind of like Bronx. Mazoik. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you do, uh, there's <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like that. Oh, I'll stick but, with it, I reckon. Though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still working of, on it. But those covers, um, there's a couple of covers in there where, um, or like prospective covers, yeah. where someone's sort of getting shot on yeah. the cover, but yeah, yeah. really great, man. Well, you showed me, Hurt came in a couple of weeks ago and had four or five different potential covers. Yeah. And he's shown as me, and I, I'm looking at all of them going, these are all brilliant. You need to use them all, yeah. Yeah, but, but <laughs> instead, you're explaining why you can't use you like, this one's not quite right. And I was like, isn't it really right? Isn't it, like, really... Mm, I, I, it's one of, one of the things, I maybe I like co- comic covers more than I like comics. Do you know? I, I really... <laughs> maybe that, I like my graphics more, I don't there's, know. There's but, a lovely um, bit on, on the, the blog, I think it is, where you do uh, some... Uh, spoof comic lessons and oh, yeah, yeah. you encourage people uh, to spend uh, is it I think two thirds or three quarters of the time just sorting out the logo and the title 
and then, <laughs> and, then, and then just like dash off yeah. the rest of the comic just have a car chase and then someone gets caught at the end and it's done but do spend a lot of time on incredibly detailed logos yeah yeah. but I mean you, you, you come out of, you come out of <laughs> but I, you know graffiti and street art is clearly a big influence on your work in terms of like typography and things like that yeah um, yeah I was kind of I did sort of dabble in that when I was younger I wasn't like sort of very prolific or anything but yeah it's definitely always I've liked that and I've always been interested in sort of typography and and graphics and stuff but yeah yeah there is definitely a a sort of graffiti kind of influence there somewhere and typography you know obviously it sort of just comes from that but it's such an important element in comics isn't it yeah I was thinking as well looking through your stuff do you do all your own lettering yeah, yeah, most, yeah, I mean, almost, Cause like, almost all of it is like hand lettering. Yeah, I thought the lettering, and you did the colouring as well. Yeah. Like, they're both great and like elevated, do you not think, yeah. Steve? no, absolutely. Like, sometimes you, you look at it and you think, really, do you need to get someone else in to do that? You know, it's just so <laughs> standard, like, but it just, I think the lettering and, and the colouring are both so good. Like, it really kind of elevates the whole thing. I, I mean, not that the rest isn't great as well. For work as individual as yours as well, it would be tough, I think, to sort of, like, hand it off to someone else and for the tone not to be mm. a bit jarred. It, it, you know, uh, obviously, in mainstream superhero comics, the tradition is there's a pencil, there's an ink, there's a letter, there's a colourist, and they're all different people. And there's exceptions. And that, in but... small press, the tradition is you just do those things badly. Yeah, you, do, you do everything because... <laughs> You do do, do a lot because uh, uh, you can't afford to be paying other people to be doing your lettering for you. Mm. But like you, you use there's um, one of your strips, Bad Birds, where the panels themselves are the letters that make up the title of the story. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, you know just brilliant use of the form. Rice up your street, Stephen. That what's that? That kind of deal. I like well, good comics. Yeah, I do like Bad Birds. Like. The uh, from the comic lesson as well, isn't it? Yeah, actually, yeah, that's where it came from. Yeah, oh, is that originally. where it came from? And then, yeah, yeah. Think of a name. I've drawn a bird, and it's bad. It's got a tattoo on its neck. <laughs> yeah, bad that's bird. right. Yeah, 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 that's where it came from. We did our research. Yeah, <laughs> cartooning for beginners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, get on Herc's website, have a look through his stuff. Because even like where you've done your little Twitter logo. It's like a crow or something, isn't it? Just like, instead of just having the, you know, the regular bird or the tea or whatever. And it's just this great little detail. Do you get work as an illustrator? No, not a great deal. Why? You need to sort of uh, do that. Yeah, (laughs) maybe I don't push myself, yeah, in that direction. But imagine I'm talking to you and looking looking at your output, it seems like you're so prolific in terms of having ideas for you, things to do yourself. Yeah, The last thing you need is other things. But imagine how in. much better advice would be if you got Herkin and got rid of the current guy. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly face. <laughs> it's kind of like when, when you're doing comics, like if you make comics, you kind of, it's almost like everyone says, like, I'm an illustrator as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah, I do comics, I'm an illustrator, but I don't know if I can really call myself an illustrator because I don't take on or do much illustration work. And it's, Narrative graphics oh. engineer, you have to talk yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as my, yeah, I mean, I'd love to get paid to draw. Do you know what I mean? But um, you got the chops. Right? On, no on the pun intended. No pun it's... intended. Oh, he's tramped all over my no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> chops, Steve. 
Fancy butcher. Fancy butcher. He's good, isn't he? Get it. It's fairly more with that. That's it. He has one good one. As well as being a comics creator, you've got a bit of history as a musician. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're dragging up your past a bit, aren't we? We've kind of we've you know we're into 2013 now. Yeah. So there's a sort of people's pasts are on the internet and you can kind of go digging and like five years ago if you happen to have recorded some hip hop tracks yeah. they can be found if you don't do your homework and tidy up the internet after <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people are going to come in and find it the beauty of but, it is you said earlier if you could remember your MySpace sign-on you would have deleted yeah I mean like, I probably haven't even got like the email brilliant they'll stay I can't up even log into yeah. the email now that I used to set up that so even if I asked for a password reminder they'd be sending it some email <laughs> that I haven't even got anymore that I can't remember to get in so yeah it's hard but I think I already um, I already did the spring cleaning on that years ago so what's still up there I still I don't mind because everything that's up there is strong <laughs> yeah we're like gonna really put... good not like you know good you know like when your friends do music and you're like that's good this is good. This is good, good. Well, we'll let people decide to do we? <laughs> We're going to play a track called Big Four Stitch Up, where you... did. Is there a line about Robin Banks in Penge? Did I hear yeah, it right? Penge yeah, 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 Penge. Yeah. yeah. I think the rhyme fitted. I think it... You uh, Graffiti on Stonehenge, yeah, Robin Penge, Banks obviously, in Penge. Yeah, Penge, yeah. We'll listen to the track <laughs> and then we'll, we'll talk about uh, what it's about after. Going where? To the big city. We're already behind schedule. I love big cities, crowds, merrymaking, excitement, the good life. I shall go too. Hercules commands it. Indeed, Hercules finds the sprawling metropolis vastly entertaining and vice versa. Isn't he wonderful? So strong. What a man. We. Do not crowd, females. It is time for melody. What rattles is metallic kangos, the arches stop my arch enemy is getting mangled. Four ain't mighty, don't wear knockies, he rocks a knight. I rock Herculean pajamas, except when in Bahamas, eating bananas with your mamas, wearing shorts made of llamas or some such animal. Maybe it's just flannel. This store guy thinks he's he man, he's more like Sally Gunnell. Of course, he's not same, I pummel. He's the lead with fists. He wears a metal brace, it's giving him greasy wrists. I'm pissed, that's to avenge. I'm scratching up his bends, cursing his friends, writing his name in graffiti on Stonehenge. I dress up as him and rob a bank in Penge. Do his public image damage that he cannot mend. I break out like Bernard Breslau, my lyrical mentor. I'm robbing banks dressed as the mighty saw. Booty galore in the pool by the wall and on the floor. When the nurse bends over, I'm bound to go cool.
of incredible ants and limbs thick as elephants I break the banks, folk hit quick yanks and the open left blank Empty while I'm smoking off to the streets By standards I didn't smoke them, I just threw them some treats The police in the HQ were saying, thought we hate you Take a good people's money, that ain't funny, we're gonna break you, what the hell? I show a blatant disregard, no you couldn't tell My winged hell is made of card, a gritty yard The cost of cake fabric, I hate to grab a brick But I did it through, through, window glass and Kensington And the higher class jewel is the one with the biggest rings in it I'm bringing them outside, brazen, didn't try to hide My hammer went through Greg's window and I took pies And no one got wise to my sly for disguise So I went back in for a cream slice, nice In a blonde wig, I'm selling rocks of scotch I'm in the Royal Mint like Flint, I turn it up a notch I pick the lock like a booger, I'm hot like a cooker Unload the dough and go sweet like sugar Metaphorical rubbish rap, dirty bombs are going off In your shops and 20 bank jobs with hammer held aloft Cops got squashed under Herculean fleet Birds went sweet cause they was loving their beat Back in my sneaks and my own dapper day where You want a battle, better bring that Hulk Not that cunt with glamorous hairy, don't be fairy Got holding, decoding the bad raps I'm loading No matter what mode they're in, they keep exploding Scotland Yard, CID room, they got the Maps out, the coffee guns and caps out Foaming at the maps and scratching to catch in Those bumps were bloke bit by spiders In the end they tracked him down through internet service providers Thought I was looking to buy new knee high boots on eBay What would you say? Is a little bit sleazy They locked the son of Odin down when he had to get his dinner He from Asgard, he ain't that hard Herc's a winner in the street I laughed at deep as I saw the hippie four Handcuffed up, slipping about On the chippy floor he's on his knees Wet with mushy peas and helmet crushed by battens of police He got seized, ten years and tried to work the tears Mocked by his peers and Jane Foster didn't visit Once she was with me and I was munching on a lunch. For the love of Pete, here's another one. Another one? Speak more for poor command. It is good to see for yourself, long hair. Jane, Hercules, what? Jane, I have returned. I forgot you'd been away. So you're a big fan of Thor? No, um, no. You're a big fan of Hercules? Yeah. <laughs> Is he the rival? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. what I loved about it, and I guess I'd spot uh, quicker than most people, is the samples are from the, the old 60s cartoon, isn't it? The yeah, Thor yeah, the old Marvel. And I don't um, remember an episode where Hercules turns up, but he must do, obviously. Yeah, I'm trying to think where where I got the samples from, like if they were from a DVD or... YouTube. No, it wasn't YouTube. It was actually on like it's on a CD or a DVD, but I can't remember. But yeah, he must do. There must yeah. be an episode where he does. But I've got the book, the the Marvel book, the story that that cartoon is taken from. Oh right, which they used to do, didn't they? Just used to sort of basically take the steel, yeah, pictures yeah. and hardly animate it, didn't they? So what? There's an actual story where Hercules goes around pretending to be Thor. No, oh, right. that's, that that's you. That's my story. But yeah, no, it's the bit where the original story is like, you know, Thor is, I don't know, Hercules just turns up and they do this sort of like faux Shakespearean talking to each other, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It's like the Greek god and the uh, thunder god. But it's all these and those. Yeah. But yeah, that's what uh, appealed to me in particular about this track. The idea that, because uh, just to fill listeners in basically as well with this track and I think 
rap aquatics as well, your sort of rap persona is of Hercules. Yeah, yeah. I, I took the bold step <laughs> of uh, just calling myself Hercules. That was like so. When I must have found these samples, they were like that was like gold dust. That um, see all we, these just like loads of samples of. You know, talking about Hercules. Were you that. Lord Herc as a creator before? And we, I think we should point out at this point that Lord Herc, when we talk about your comics work, is H-U-R-K. Yeah, before I ever did... Bef- obviously, I've always drawn and I've yeah, always yeah. done comics, but before I was sort of small, uh, self-publishing properly... Properly. <laughs> self-publishing. <laughs> sort of like a contradiction in terms. But, um, yeah, I was doing the music and under the name Hercules and kind of would get shortened to Herc. Yeah. And yeah, and then when I started doing my first sort of that first comic that was sort of hip hop themed, I kept I used the same name so people might make the connection of the two. And yeah, somewhere along down the line I just kept it to the shortened version. Yeah. And then um I think I changed it because Maybe Cool Herc. Yeah, so the, the, the premise on the song is that you are Hercules. And while Thor is distracted or taken away, you basically dress up as him and do various uh, things to get him in trouble, including robbing a bank in Penge, yeah. graffiti in Stonehenge. Uh, another nice bit where you uh, uh, nick stuff from a bakery. From Greg's. From Greg's. And it goes well, so you have time to go back and get an extra cream slice. <laughs> nice. Live. <laughs> 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 I think yeah. we just freestyled. This is great. <laughs> Basically just, yeah, stitch Thor up. Yeah. Good and proper. But it's, it's because you make it very clear as well that it's not an elaborate and well-prepared plan. There's a bit where you talk about um, your cardboard winged helmet. So you've clearly just chucked together an outfit. Yeah. Uh, but it's enough to... Uh, Still, still pull it off. Yeah. Um, other nice references. Uh, Sally Gunnell gets a shout out, which is good. Bernard Breslau. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan of Bernard Breslau. Yeah, that? That, he's one of the Carry On actors. <laughs> and as soon as so I heard that like... reference, I was like, of course Herc loves Carry On films. So you look at the comics <laughs> and you sort of go, yeah. They, do you know what I mean? There's a lot of energy, the same sort of energy, isn't there? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That sort of... I mean... Well, I mean, if you like Minder... Yeah, but that's the thing. No, the I'm... more you sort of like read about your work and hear you talk about your work, you're like, yeah, this all sort of falls into place. But maybe, yeah, maybe Minder, Carry On films and Hammer films and yeah. sort of things that... And 30 might... Crime films? Yeah, yeah, but I'm thinking of Carry On films and Hammer films as in... It's not like that. I really think they're brilliant. No, but right. it's if they're on... If like, I turn on the telly and they're on... I sort of leave it on as, yeah, yeah. as like background just because yeah they've got to be on do you know what I yeah, mean yeah yeah um, <laughs> whereas mind I, I, I kind of appreciate that a bit more I think that's a bit better did, you, did you hear our recent Tootin episode where Steve yeah. uh, proclaimed mind to be the uh, greatest television yeah. show of all time it is though it it is people yeah. talk about <laughs> Breaking Bad and well I think again I might have read it on your blog but, but it's a bit where you're like writing, performance, every it's just flawless. I mean, you said there's nothing you could really uh, fault it on. And I was like, the casual racism of the early episodes <laughs> would be yeah. the, only, the only thing. But um, 
in terms of uh, actual performance and writing and whatnot, it is just yeah. But you're more you're more like a full on fan than me because <laughs> I'm only up to where like Dennis Waterman leaves. Right, and, right. And you, you like. I'll carry of, on with Ray. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, I've got no problem with Ray <laughs> Daly. Look, I, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The greatest myth in the world is that Shane Ritchie wasn't good on Ray. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit this any way you like. Um, yeah, the idea that Dennis Waterman. Uh, leaving her minder, it affected minder. But if George Coward left and Dennis Waterman stayed, and you've got no. someone to replace him, then you'd have a crisis on your hands. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, true. I first came across your work, Huck. Uh, they had the minder comic you did on the till at Gosh for a while. Obviously, I they, think I had. These they've replaced that with uh, more Jeffrey Brown books now. <laughs> 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 so that's not available anymore. Um, if there's none up <laughs> we've, we've sold that have you got more get uh, on no, eBay man no, someone will have one no. on eBay won't they yeah I mean if you get older if you can get older <laughs> it do get older because it is uh, brilliant yeah maybe if uh, maybe I could yeah there's, there isn't any left possibly I might do another print run but I don't know it, let us know everyone's if got mine at SLHC on Twitter <laughs> let us know what's your Twitter by the way um, at Fancy Butcher there you go let us both know if you want uh Yeah, this is the thing. Go through the blog, um, find things that look incredible, and then just harass Herc into doing another print run on them. I reckon it's the way to go. If anything comes out of this show, I want it to be uh, you having loads more work created for you. Yeah. yeah the one that... Uh, <laughs> was it called Slightly Less Gravy? Yeah, much, much less gravy. Much less gravy. Yeah, if you want... If you need a key ring... <laughs> I think I've got two ha- of them. Has- yeah. hashtag, <laughs> hashtag much less gravy on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, in terms of uh, creating more work for you, um, if I could can make any demand out of the show, because you're going to carry on making comics regardless, there's no stopping you, clearly. They've tried. <laughs> Is there any chance for more music? Because it's great, it's great stuff. Uh, no. Prob- I would, from time to time, I toy with the idea, but I know it's like, it's just... Um, time consuming. Yeah, the, the original reason... When I was doing the music, I was doing it as like, I was doing it as a group with a group of people, and the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah. <laughs> and they decided to cut you out. Yeah. <laughs> this is not working, son. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I was working on my, you know, my own stuff on my own with with my mate and everything. But well, I was going to um, ask about this in terms of like production. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't produce any of it. Right. All the all the production was sort of like uh, Mr. J's. Right. Who was a friend of mine, and yeah, did all the sort of all the. All Is the he scratching. still doing stuff? Because you know, I just need. Yeah, more Steve's stuff. a good yeah, size I've of it. I've got to find out because I've kind of like. Um, oh yeah, I haven't spoken spoke to him for ages. Right. Well, really. he's when I was on your MySpace. We won't give the address out, will we? <laughs> but there was a link like in your top friends. I mean, MySpace looks nothing like it once did. It's quite strange going on MySpace, to be honest. It looks like, yeah. it, it's like being jazzed up, but there's nothing on there, and it's too wide for your browser. So you have to <laughs> you have to scroll over to the music, and and if you go on the mobile version, you can't play any of the songs. But like, if you put my if you type that into Google, like MySpace play songs mobile, you know, just like to work out if it's just your phone. Like it comes up, and it's like MySpace is, and this is from like August. MySpace is relaunching as an app. Like they've made the S. That's a lowercase S now. And it's going to be like the new Spotify, but I've not heard that from anyone. That's like three months ago, so I think MySpace is dead. 
But what I was going to say is there's a link to Mr. J's, did you say? Yeah, yeah. On there, Steve. So you might be able to find some more music if right. you... Uh, if you want some more, it's it's great. It's great. It's it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and Steve's yeah. a massive Danger Doom fan, isn't he? So yeah, yeah. It's well, kind of, the there's that, a little bit of uh, uh, similarity in there. Yeah, definitely. With the samples and the persona, it really sort of felt uh, doomish. And your me. rapping style was uh, there's some similarity in it. Had a yeah. rapper for lunch and out the chain. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that is doing well. Also, the humour yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, the humour of it is is a massively important thing. And you know, that's saying comes out through your comics work and your music, the fact that you're clearly about fun. And that's so, particularly in hip-hop, it's such a rare commodity, isn't it? You know, unless you're talking about straight-up comedy rap, which is like... One DMX of the is apparently of hilarious. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there's very few rappers that are sort of going, uh, let's have fun. Yeah. I think that's what... When I was doing it, it was, yeah. It yeah. was purely for fun. And it comes to a point with with, you know, like, family responsibilities and that, and have my little boy and everything, and, Science you know, you just have to sort of, like, concentrate on one thing, and the comics was the thing that I was going to... Yeah. ...always going to choose over. And that's the thing, like, if you've got a choice between music and comics... I think I'd say you've got a choice between rapping and your child. (laughs) (laughs) It's a tough one, but in particular, way you were doing the music with other people doing production. Once you've got other people involved, and it's a lot more involved in terms of going to places and doing things. Whereas with the comics, you can you can do you can be drawing in the same room as your son and keeping on him and getting him involved. Even do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly that, exactly that. With with the music, it's sort of you know. You, got to go you can, the only thing you can do on your, uh, you know, solo is just write, yeah, yeah, write your stuff, and then, but then everything else is timing and relying on other people and other places, and you know, basically taking time. But yeah, with comics, it's all pretty much you fit it in when you want and do it when and where you. And want you can it. get most of it done at a table in terms yeah, of like yeah. drawing it, and then as you say, things like stapling or assembling things, even that. <laughs> even, even that at the same table yeah next track we're going to play is Suit of Food which is pretty much what it says it is isn't it once upon a time 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 once upon a time. Grandkids, listen, you don't like heavy metal, so I drop some more hip hop. You know, Hansel Gretel, well, I go one better. Got a soup made of food, and I tell you how I spotted it. If you're in the mood, I got glassy of fruits on my soup as every button. I shine them up, nice and the flashes, Jay's cutting. See, I had my puma slates with the marzipan soles. I got fat licorice laces and the tongues of big rolls. I took a stroll. Dogs were licking my footprints. Believe it, am I crazy or deliciously dressed? How'd you perceive it? How does your eye connect with me? Focus on my tie, you're right, that's beef jerky, save me Cos I'm so sharp I could cut myself in half End up looking like a cherry slush puppy in the bath It was made of many strange things People came from miles and miles to see me climb trees In my suction pants and my gloves of cheddar cheese So when I reach the top I'd lift my gingerbread top hat Smile, evening ladies slide down and say, how's that? They started pulling at my cufflinks, they're jelly tops And evil witch stepped up and said, hurt your top notch I'm really digging your corned beef slaps And with Daddy Jay Sesame Seed shirt, your Ultramax I gave my thanks, but weren't about to be suckered She's a witch after all, but I'm wicked so I puckered And prepared to 
plant the steering Kiss up on her crooked lips She went for it and said It's the taste like I was PG Tips She gave me monkey hands and her baboon like chess It's all through my can of lonely vest That I was in a mess And now the crap were cracking up I found it hard to keep my cool Even in my super food Now I look like a fool MySpace with just an album title and one track. I assumed there's a whole other album or EP out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And there is, but it's like not you on the other tracks, I'm guessing. Is, I thought, is anthology not just for comics and books and stuff? Does that apply <laughs> yeah. to records as well? Yeah, you can have an is anthology. Alright, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's from a. Collection of work from a number of different artists. Okay, no matter what format. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> Am I wrong? I don't know how. how no, true no, no, it's just my, my naivety. I'm trying to but think of an album. Uh, there's been an anthology. I don't know. Anyway, mm. now that's yeah. why I call music twenty. <laughs> <laughs> the anthology. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's yeah, that was from a little EP. I think it's like four tracks on it. But yeah, one of them that was my one on there. Again, it's a uh, another vivid visual story where it's. I took it to be the secret origin of the Wicked Witch from Hansel and Grow. Like, this is where she gets her house from? Yeah, probably. Because it's kind like, of, I know. The, you start off at the, the beginning, you've got the character wearing a suit of food. Then he gets cursed by a witch who gives him monkey hands. Yeah. But then, in exchange for getting rid of the monkey hands, she takes his suit of food and turns it into a house. That's right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, And right. then I assume that house being made of food the is the one from. It's the... And now the, famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've finally given it some uh, prominence. Because yeah. uh, uh, that sort of ties in with the start of the song, where you've got, uh, again, just a brilliantly simple sample, where it's just loads of different people saying once upon a time. So selling the sort of fairy tale angle. And is one of those people Bernard Breslau? I don't know if you remember. Possibly. I know, I'm sure, like, 
there's definitely carry on people there. Yeah. I'm sure Barbara Windsor's one of them. Okay. See, I thought um, Bernard Breslau was one of them. I think a, he is. Yeah. Oh, and the other guy. Who's that other guy? I can't remember, but yeah, it's yeah. There are a few carry on people, but that was that was like Jay Z's idea who produced it. I right. definitely remember him coming up with that idea. It's, it it like, works brilliantly, doesn't it? It really yeah, does. Yeah, sort of yeah. like mm. get you into the song. But then, as I say, the song itself is just remarkable. Just this description of this bizarre outfit, and you talk about dogs sniffing your footsteps because obviously you're just trailing uh, meat shoes or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and again, uh, knowing your comics work, like with Big Four Stitch Up. Uh, I can sort of visualise a lot of those scenes happening as drawn by you. And it's a similar thing with this. I can sort of, when I'm imagining what this suit looked like, it's as drawn by you. And it just looks... Uh... Yeah, where's the music videos, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Done in the old uh, animation, four animation style, isn't it? Just sort of move the camera over the panel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where are you from, Mark? I am from Dartford. Rolling Stones territory, isn't it? Yeah, Rolling Stones, uh, Pretty Things. Oh, yeah. I've never heard of till recently, which is weird. Uh, Peter Blake. Right. Pete Tong. <laughs> <laughs> so, music and visuals, isn't it? That's the, that's the heartland. <laughs> that's, that's what we're talking about. So, Kent, yeah? Was there ever kind of a, like, we're in London sort of idea? Or not so much? In Dartford, yeah, not really. It's weird. It's it's a bit like a. It's one of them places that's like right on the edge. It is Kent, you know. It's a, mm. and it's kind of it's sort of well, it does literally straddle the M25, doesn't it, with the bridge and that. So it's like half half on half over the M25, but it's definitely Kent. But people in real Kent <laughs> would uh, <laughs> would say that it's like. Not really, Ken. Is that the Archbishop of Canterbury? Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not real. Kent. No, it's kind of it's a bit of a no man's land, really, isn't it? On the on the borders. But why have we got you on the show then, Herc? If you're from <laughs> Steve, let, let me in on it. Yeah, but it's like North Dartford. You're from <laughs> uh, West Dartford. East. Yeah, even further away. The first, the first time uh, I talked to you about the show, yeah, uh, you had a go at me because of our uh, classification of South London. I think we, I don't know, we dismissed Bexley or something. Well, somewhere yeah, I, I was... live in, I live in Bexley Heath. I yeah. live in like London Borough of Bexley. It's kind of like you said before. It's like you have the, you got like Metropolitan Police, your London Borough, but. You what's your, sure what's got your postcode? postcode yeah, yeah, that's the danger. DA seven. Um, so yeah, and uh, yeah, I did sort. Of, yeah, it's sort of like the tone that you mentioned, Kent. In. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's but it's the same. I mean, it's the same as like Croydon, really. Yeah, in terms of sort of postcode and stuff yeah. like mm. that, and even kind of distance from from the centre. But I think we count Bexley, like if. Think. Whenever Steve does his local news special, he goes straight to the Bexley news shop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I would. I don't know. I actually think the uh, postcode thing makes more sense. Actually, we just need something to stop us, because otherwise, yeah, that's it. You can't, uh, like, you say, you don't want to end up in Dartford. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the last thing you want. Is but like Avery Dartford. Hill, they're all like Bexley, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went to school in Bexley, so yeah, oh, they? well, they? yeah. 
I lived I lived in Streatham for a while. Um, but kind of when when we sort of like me and my wife settled down and needed to get a place, it was like just cheaper. Like yeah, it's a massive. It's like, especially now, I mean, it's yeah. pretty un- unaffordable. Yeah, or, or they're trying to make it unaffordable to be. It's working. Yeah, <laughs> really yeah. being effective at making it unaffordable. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so that's where we ended up anyway. Because that's the thing. Like, obviously, we talked about on uh, Big Thor Stitch Up. You reference Penge on the track Rap Aquatics. You mentioned Stratton. Yeah, yeah. I think um, Jay's was living in. Uh, he still does live around that way. I think yeah, in Stratton, and we both used to live sort of like opposite in Amesbury Avenue, opposite like where Caesars was. <laughs> so yeah, oh, so Caesars. yeah, it was kind of like the. I think that that line is like the ocean bed ain't nothing to me. It's just like Streatham. It's just like yeah. It's what interesting for me. Going to see my mate in Streatham. <laughs> that's what it's like. He will drown. Save him, great Zeus. It will take more than Neptune or any of his creatures to overcome a son of Zeus. Save him, Zeus. Save Hercules. All right, all right. I have done so. Behold, coming over the horizon of the sea. I'm the scuba driving chap, emerging dap, I don't get crap I got Mr. J's and my bodyguard straight at the camp I call him Swilly Cole cause he's a fish in a vicious odd It's all I've got his own theme tune like it's some And I'm the black rod in the house of lords, where am I called? My words are sharp and long, laddie boy, I call them broad swords Trim my side balls with razor fish, luxury People who test me end up stiff in the Thames estuary Still blessing me, they're cold with limpets on extremities I'm forcing whack MCs to move on, take on new identities Relentlessly swimming, I'm posing for the women They say that I'm the greatest, but I need to do some swimming. What are you doing out there in the water? Swimming. A hundred miles from the nearest land? I fell. What's your name? Hercules. Sir? Go ahead. Captain Blood. You're addressing the captain of the ship. Now you say sir to me. I'm Hercules. So you told me. No man is superior to Hercules. I use a stingray as a sherbet dab I'm putting crabs in rehab And to the ladies, I'm fighting the flag With acrobic classes on the coral reef I go get them. The ocean bed ain't nothing to me It's just like Stratton The minute I dive in My lungs pump, I'm driving Just rhyming with expert timing I'm surviving against all odds Yes, we need cod buster shots I'm not in front of the squids They're too young, but they like it lots I got coconut cream down my torso Attracting sea monkeys And it's waterproof also I let go My trident like Neptune on the sea king When it comes to scuba style I break him like a weakling This, which is my favorite This, Barracuda Hello Hammer, 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 hammer Head shark Yes This, which is my favorite This, Barracuda Hammer, hammer, hammer Head shark Yes I reprimand noose For in my suits The toys they try to flex I'm cracking cruise nets Like nuts of Christmas So don't be vexed Stay calm Shake the palm off An aqua Dracula Taking out your jugular Spitting the blood right back of you Making the sea red I've been in the med Since I was spoon fed My only fate was by eight I had to go to bed I battle MCs I float inside me Fighting fish But with my death wish Which is my favourite dish But when they battle Hercules Their skills turn to squish My sword is solid gold Like my swanking girls They go for cold meat off my buffet cart, I'm a la carte, I'm on a roll Putting sharks on the dole, the new biggest killer in the ocean My mates turn up with a stash of baby lotion and emotion Cause the whirlpool taking all fools The MC underwater, the sea dogs family jewels Watch your second name, heard he's well? Sam, I'm Hercules, Sam of Zeus 
I flick up my tail and swim in the sea with haddock and place and dabs. I wriggle on rocks with my little legs past lobsters and limpets and crabs. My name is Scampy, Scampy, that's me. I live on a hand in the sand by the sea. So yeah, mention Streatham, but also other very specific British London references, isn't it? Black Rod, House of Lords, Thames Estuary. What's Black Rod? Black Rod's the member, not member, he works at the House of Lords. When the, they do the opening of Parliament, he, it's Black Rod. Oh, he's like the Queen. Does he not go up and knock the door? Yeah, he knocks on the and door. It, well, his name's Rod and he's black, but there's another Rod. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, Black he's, Rod. He, he wears this ridiculous ceremonial garb and he's got uh, a rod, essentially. And he knocks on the door of the House of Lords and they don't answer. And it's basically explaining that the Queen can't go in. So it's it's Parliament refusing the Queen entry, right. um, and I think he knocks a few times, and then eventually I let her in. She makes her uh, got a rod, uh, some chicken, and some beer. Yeah. <laughs> Hercules is back in Rapaquakes, but this time it's Arnie. It's Arnie, and I think oh, he's right uh, from that his first film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Is there no? Well, stand a bit of a dope now that I don't know, but is there not Sylvester Stallone on it as well? Is there? Maybe not. No, maybe there is. But it's just Arnie that leapt out of me because I... No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's from... Yeah, sorry. It's Hercules, from Hercules in New York. In New York. In New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which is... And it works a treat, doesn't it? Because uh, you've obviously got you being loquacious and using wordplay and with flowing vocals. And, and then you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger sort of going, <laughs> but I'm a god. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not from South London, but you have worked in South London. I'm thinking of your project with Kevin again, I think, at the Sassoon Gallery in Peckham. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the um, holy, yeah, holy shit. <laughs> Special um, tag. Special yeah. tag. 59 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so well. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we did um, kind of an exhibition that was, you spoke about them before, but influenced by groups like the Woolworth Jumpers. Mainly because it was the Sassoon Gallery is a railway arch, right? Uh, with a nice sort of glass front. Um, but yeah, they they had an idea that they just wanted to have murals in it, inspired by sort of those kind of groups that used to use the arches for um, for like worship and stuff. So yeah, we did murals inside there. Uh, I think it was yeah me, Kevin, and two other people, but. Yeah, and what did that your mural like, look like? Have you got any photographs or? Um, yeah, I've got there's images. I think. Yeah, I will have to send them to you because I can't think where they are. But I have got <laughs> images. But it's basically like we did um, did a small newspaper to go with it, and we each did a page. I did a comic strip called The Vibrators, that was like sort of like the Quakers or, or the Wolf Jumpers, but with a sort of. Um, well, one of the other names for the Woolworth Jumpers was the Convulsionists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they yeah. had that sort of... Yeah, that sort of... Reputation for... <laughs> Kinetic. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I sort of did a character that was based on... Uh, what's her name? Anne Gerling? Yep. Yeah. 
the Girling Heights being another yeah. mate of the War of Jumpers. Yeah. I think her name was Mary Gurnoid or something. <laughs> While I was looking at your stuff and listening to your stuff, I was trying to like track and chart your influences, trying to guess what they would be. And you clearly got a thing about film and television, particularly, I'd guess, from your youth. I mean, there was a project you were doing a little while ago, Lookout, which was essentially... Look in. Yeah, but parody strips based around TV shows like The Banana Splits and Starsky and Hutch and Magnum P.I., all the sort of big shows from, from that generation that... Yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of... I put that together with um, Paul O'Connell, who does The Sound of Drowning. Um, but yeah, that's sort of... They featured it on, like, uh, Forbidden Planet blog. They were running a, a strip each month, and it's kind of over now, and we're just sort of packaging it up. It's not going to be in print, but it'd probably be, like, a digital download or something. But, um, yeah, we did used to get looking as a kid. Um, yeah, I mean, too. My mum used to. Um, oh, this will look bad if I say the wrong publisher, though, wouldn't it? My mum used to be a cleaner briefly at IPC. Yeah. You know, in the King's Reach Tower. So she'd come. I mean, I don't think she nicked them. I think they were like, like she got them out of the bin or something. <laughs> but she used to come home with like a handful of magazines. It was great. I mean, not for her. She had to go up at five and do a cleaning job. Before I reached the kids. Right, this is brilliant. But I seem to remember looking bin. I don't see why we would have bought it otherwise. I mean, they weren't. Well, my parents weren't ones to spend money on magazines that are above your age range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking was it was great, wasn't it? It was uh, uh, for for younger listeners. Um, it was essentially strips based around kids' TV shows. You had like yeah. a Grange Hill strip. Well, it was kind of like the Junior Radio Times, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it was like it was actually the Radio Times, but for for kids. Yeah, and it was, yeah, pretty much. And it's before you had sort of specialist kids telly. So it was just sort of collecting this stuff from like Saturday mornings and weekday afternoons that was not really collected together in one place otherwise. Yeah. And well, of course your decision with Lookout was to, uh, you know, just besmirch everyone's childhood memories and... Filth was it, Well... <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the idea was just to let... Um, let people just choose a TV program. Crent Abel does the banana splits. Yeah, he and like Crent like, really Abel's nice. impossible at doing anything that isn't. Yeah, uh, terrifying. Is, you're in the same sort of um, genre as him a bit, aren't you? Um, yeah, maybe, but it's it's quite. Um, I, I, I think it's sort of almost like horror. Like, yeah, I, I, I think he's like. Really I think good. Of, of his stuff as being uh, grotesque fun, with the emphasis on grotesque. And yours has been grotesque fun with the emphasis on fun. Yeah, you know I mean, like you have Plus, your characters. Like he's a proper like he can properly draw. Do you like, yeah, in a, in a draft. I reckon you like, can. Like, do you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. No, he's he's, 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 he's like, a brilliant. He is, artist, he is a brilliant yeah. artist. I mean, I tend to feel that I'm not having, sometimes I'm having a record that you don't that you improperly yeah. draw. That's <laughs> I feel like sometimes he goes for. It's, I mean, I know it's obvious he does. He's just going for a reaction, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. like you yeah. know that the poster for, that they've got up in the gosh toilet. Is Morrissey eating some meat and like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Well, not just meat. He's not eating the steak. He's eating like a goat's head. So it's yeah, very sort of extreme. 
but he's uh, yeah he's brilliant uh, yeah, artist brilliant, isn't he yeah. I mean like I first come across his stuff in uh, is it Pigeon Store Store Pigeon yeah Store Pigeon isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's the right word <laughs> throw him out anywhere you want so. uh, but yeah did you, uh, it was quite amazing the book he had out yeah where you could just see his like how because he's sort of he didn't start that long ago did he no but no. his work sort of like evolved like yeah no, he's... like rapidly it's great to be stuff. like completely amazing stuff, yeah. and you know, um, actually funny as well. A lot of that stuff is is shock value, and you, it's sort of nervous laughter that it elicits rather than actually being funny. Whereas his stuff, I think, is genuinely funny. Yeah, and uh, he draws a mean Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Talking of things from our youth, get to the, the final track <laughs> that we're going to play from your uh, selection. It's called Sign Writer. Um, and it's just... This is what I'm, I'm talking about with your music. It's the sort of thing that people don't really write songs about. But it's so resonant, yeah, isn't it? It's, you idea. know, when chronicling your youth... But yeah, rather than uh, selling drugs or uh, anything like that, it's drawing, uh, replicating logos on pencil cases. Pencil cases. It, it, it rang true with me, yeah. right? Because... Uh, when I had this pencil case, I think it was a, I think it was a pepperami pencil case. It's weird because I didn't like pepperami. It must have been on sale. <laughs> but um, and I drew, you know, remember Ash the band? Like they were when I was like, yeah, I yeah. must have been like fourteen, nineteen ninety seven, and like they were, I don't know if they were huge, but they were big, big, and I loved them. They had like, like loads of hits. Nineteen seventy seven, like just hit after hit. It was such a great record. I loved it. Kung Fu. And I drew the Ash logo on my pencil case, and obviously I wasn't as good as you. And this kid goes to me. Uh, that reminds me of another indie band, Dodgy. It's <laughs> <laughs> <a> good game. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Blow, I think it was. <laughs> I did a bloody perfect Lacoste war teeth But Kappa was too hard, I draw the tits too big So I'd execute Adidas that everyone could dig For Pierre Cardin, I was the man, school was evil And the kids were amazed that my lions got eagle My Pringle was equal, did it easy as Gabichi Life was peachy when I did a six, Sergio Toshini some point all of us have drawn a major sportswear brand on a pencil case or a folder or an exercise seemed, book yeah when I was at school it seemed like that's all that everyone ever did yeah and yeah not Reebok you wouldn't do Reebok would you because it's no. like such a terrible logo or high tech only the most company <laughs> brands but yeah it's kind of yeah it's pretty much 
autobiographical. Yeah. <laughs> Were people getting but, you to draw on this? Like, oh, yeah, do, yeah, that's do like, me a, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing was, you, were you the best drawer in the class? Yeah, but you should have seen my class. Yeah, no, I suppose I kind of always was like the kid drawing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So if like I did some sort of like little feeler sign or something. Yeah, I get one of those. Yeah, do one of mine. Yeah, that feeler sign, man. I still find myself doing that now and then. Yeah. <laughs> was there any payment involved? Would it be like <laughs> do it from Mars Bar? No, it wasn't. No? Nah? Even back then. Just drawing for free. <laughs> <laughs> Set a pattern, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, um... Yeah. But also, so, the, you know, the, the, the brands that you reference, Capra and Sergio Sashimi, it really is mm. a time and a place, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely from that, it's definitely from sort of like mid-80s, it's like, yeah, all the brands. Yeah, like Sergio, I don't even know, I've never known how to pronounce it really, is it Tajini? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one, isn't it? Yeah. Where you just like, that died off in the 90s really, didn't it? Yeah, that kind yeah. of that dates that dates. Probably you know. most of them did. Uh, no, well, I don't know, man. There but was you still see feeler at its moment, didn't it? Yeah, but like Lacoste Sportif, Lacoste, uh, you still see from time to time. But Lacoste Sportif, that was very much sort. Is of... Is that not Lacoste Sportif? Yeah, sorry, Lacoste Sportif. Yeah, Lacoste <laughs> Sportif. <laughs> don't just say it because you're written it. Diodora, <laughs> that's another one, I suppose, as well. Actually, yeah, that was that by the nineties. Coming up very soon. We've got, we're not 100% sure on the format yet, but an episode, maybe two episodes on hip-hop in South London at the end of the 80s and the beginning of the 90s. And that's the list of uh, acts we've got um, and, you know, we've got some interviews and stuff coming up. And that's mostly down to your work, Herc. I say work, you lived through it, didn't you? Yeah, I was kind of a big fan at the time, around that sort of like late 80s. I mean, hip-hop was like, just generally, not just in the UK, but that was like the golden era was like, to me anyway, but I think generally... Well, they call it the golden era, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, generally regarded as like, like, yeah, sort of 87, 88, 89. So it was kind of good. It was so much good, good music then in that genre. Um, yeah, it was sort of established as a genre, but it hadn't become overly commercialised. It was that sort of like yeah, it was still nice balance, wasn't it? Where you had really popular eyes, but no one really knew what they were supposed to be doing in terms of. I mean, it wasn't a pattern. You know, you had the whole thing of uh, like LL Cool J famously was like the first rapper to have a follow-up album. That it was very much a, a case of people would do one album and you sort of go, well, you're not going to do another one, are you? And then uh, LL Cool J did. And then people were like, oh, right, you can sort of carry on doing this. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I think probably around, like, 88 was probably the year that sort of maybe people started just doing their, doing what they wanted to do and sort of, like, exploring different avenues and then you started getting different types of you know um you know public enemy had their thing and like jungle brothers had their thing and yeah you just it sort of started exploring different ways before and then like a few years later obviously branching off almost and it was going down maybe 
yeah, one linear path and then sort of split into different. Yeah, we well, like, had things like you had the Beastie Boys, yeah. which who at the time were just like it was like frat boy party thing. Yeah, and you had Public Enemy who were doing like incredibly conscious political work. Yeah, on the yeah. same record label. You know that was the thing, wasn't it? It was like you know there was no. It wasn't a case of like Def Jam was a label for like party tracks, or Def Jam was a label yeah, for political tracks. It had both that, and it was like that's how how broad hip hop can be. It's a similar thing See, you get death, in comics. Death row, less diverse. Well, that, that's yeah, the thing. Later, bit that is later, and that's, that's the, 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 not the problem, but what hip-hop became for a long time was gangster rap, and it became this thing of that is what hip-hop is. And it, it's a similar sort of pattern you have with comics, where, you know, the idea is that, you know, for, for so many people, superhero comics are mm. comics, and there's nothing else. And it's confusing genre with medium. And like hip hop is a medium, yeah. can obviously be like, We've heard people refer tracks. to the animated genre of films. So. <laughs> it's a medium, mate. It's a medium. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, at this point in '88, you've got, uh, you know, my sort of most vivid memory, uh, probably in music that year, would would have been "It Takes a Nation Millions to Hold Us Back." So the acts we're talking about: Hard Noise, Hijack. Mm. The first sort of like record, I remember buying, just like sort of buying records, going in the record shop, buying the usual sort of like American things. And I picked up this record that was just like black with a yin yang symbol on it, hijack, thought that sounds all right. I knew it was like hip hop, but I didn't really know anything about it. Then I bought it. And then it was only like afterwards I realised oh, they're, they're like from like London. Yeah, you know, yeah. This is not like American hip hop, but it's like really good. And it, it like sounds like pretty pretty hard sort of thing, um, and yeah, that's like the first. That's definitely the first UK record I bought, and the one that's if you listen to it, pretty much set set. It was like the blueprint of what became known, sort of like as in retrospect as like Britcore, yeah, and and sort of British hip hop. This hardcore, yeah, hardcore, really uh, quick flow, really sort of dense sound. Yeah, it's it's weird because like you, you're talking about a nation of millions and like Public Enemy and the like Bomb Squad. Looking back on it now, it's, it seems like very similar. Oh yeah, no, sound. It, it's interesting that you know, as I say, you know, British hip hop. It, it feels like for, obviously from. Uh, the inception was always in thrall to American hip hop, and you would be because that's where it comes from. You know, uh, when we talked to uh, AJ he, from Hard Noise, he was saying about how he went to the Bronx. He's like, I had to go there. I had to go to the place where hip hop was born. And you know, all, all, all the while, people are going to be fascinated by this thing. But it was just interesting, like what parts of American hip hop are going to become influential. Like I, I'd always known there was there was UK hip hop. And that it had, in its infancy, been influenced by the American stuff and just sounded very similar to it. And that later on, you get the sort of the, the gangster element uh, creeps in. But what fascinated me about this particular strand of hip-hop was, like, I love Public Enemy. I love Public Enemy, obviously, from, like, you know, 88, 90. All those albums are just phenomenal. Um, but it never occurred to me that there was, like, UK acts that were listening to it and going, this is... Uh, a sound that we can build something around. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I think, I mean, there was sort of like um, UK acts around 
from like way before sort of that hijack record sort yeah, of yeah. the early 80s and it was all very like up until that it had always been very American even American you know American accents and yeah it, just a sort of copy of the American stuff but well, I think I, that I was record having a when I heard it, it was so different I, I sort of found a few things um, like early on uh, London Rhyme Syndicate Cash Crew and even though they're called London Rhyme Syndicate, it's just it's just American yeah. accents. And then later on, you got like Derek B and MC Duke. Yeah, MC Duke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Good. just it's it's like more American than American. You know, I'll, I'll put I'll put clips up from these things, yeah. but there's no way you'd guess from like the lyrical content or the accent. Um, you know, Derek B, bad young brother. It's like Chaz and Dave's, though, isn't it? Like. He was saying that he used to like sing an American accent, and then one day they just like, "Why aren't you giving a reason?" They did though. Yeah, like, yeah. They used to do this kind of American thing, sort of like, bluesy folks. Yeah, 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 and like you just copying whatever the R and B stuff of yeah, like, yeah. the early sixties, and then one day they just started doing pub rock, and then they become the kind of legendary double acts that we all love. Well, <laughs> I, I kind of like the small faces. And they kind of did that as well, didn't they? Like, you yeah. know, like lazy, lazy, lazy. <laughs> yeah. like lazy Sunday Hello, afternoon. Mrs. Jones. Yeah, because yeah, one of the things that um, inspired us to do a show was you—you'd mentioned to me sort of casually one day that like the first British hip hop act to use English accents and to to sort of you know, be quite brazen about the fact that they were British and embrace it, were the London Posse, who came from Battersea, or like were yeah, based yeah. around Battersea. Yeah, definitely, definitely was them. That, yeah, first time you kind of heard a proper sort of like London accent. Because even though these other acts, it was a different sound musically, maybe you could still kind of detect an American kind of twang yeah, to the yeah. accent that yeah. they were or using. Or certainly which, not a British one. Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely London Posse were the first first ones I heard to use. Sort of and it seems like Bionic was was very sort of almost evangelical about it. Like he he seems like it's a point of personal pride mm. that no one should ever confuse him for being American. And um, you know, just reading the history of it, like you know, um, they form when they're invited to go on tour with um, Big Audio Dynamite in the states, and it's basically. Uh, is invited to go over and he sort of builds a crew of people that he knows so he gets like um, Rodney P and Barnick to come along and DJ business and they go over but they haven't got a name they just go over as these guys but while they're in New York people start calling them the London Posse and they embrace it and like Bionic's like I'm, I'm going to rap in an English accent you know and, and there's a, a, a clip I saw where Rodney P was like, yeah, I realised I was going to sound ridiculous. And I'm going around chatting to people like a cockney all day. And then at night I'm going to get on stage and start singing like an American. So I just like, started doing it as well. And it became their thing. Yeah. It's unimaginable like, now, isn't it? For a, a it's the other, way, it's so. the other way around, as you said the other day of AJ, isn't it? If, if, some, if a, a, you know, a guy uh, from Deptford got on stage... And started rapping in an American accent, they'd just be laughed at, wouldn't they? Mm. And rightly That's kind so. of filtered into just music in general now, don't you think? Where 
uh, sort of uh, just normal singers. Now they always use a bit more of their own accent, whereas like before Cheryl ten... Cole, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they still. I think they still. Um, on the rare occasions that I watch uh, Pop Idol or Britain's Got Talent, there's singers on it. There is a thing where people like seem to think the good ones <laughs> exactly you the best be ones. Like, really yeah, you've got to growl, you've yeah. got to have range, even if you don't need to have range, you sort yeah. of like got to travel and you've got Local to sound American. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> but also just people who sort of like go on and he's like, yeah, he's just gonna try and sound like Luther Vandross. And that's fine if you're Luther Vandross or, or you're from, you know, Michigan. But if, if, I don't know, if you're from Bradford, isn't it just a bit embarrassing to go on stage and just trying to sound like someone from Minneapolis? But, but Barnick, when he talks about it, makes it very clear, and it's a point that you'd sort of made to me as well before, that, that it comes out of a sort of tradition of the sound system culture, doesn't it? Where, which I think is something that, that the British MCs have... Particularly from South London, where you had prominent sound systems, like, you know, probably the most famous being Saxon, yeah. which is based in Lewisham. And it would have been something that these people would have been familiar with and would have heard and would have grown up with. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not sort of like a... I'm, I don't know the music that well, but I've seen videos where it's like Tipperary and Smiley Culture saying the same kind of things as what, as what um, Bionic had said about you know, wanting to represent where they're from, use their own accent and make their own make their own style. But this was like when I looked at it, these he, they were saying this a few quite a few years before before the London posse. So it's almost like they were influenced by definitely influenced by sort of sound system. Well, it's it, funny in with South London. It's funny with Smiley Culture though, where he's basically from Tulse Hill. Yeah. But he just does the whole thing in a Jamaican accent. <laughs> and it's a bit where, um, on what's the one with the policeman? Is it called Police Officer? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he just, like, he slips into... It's a bit like with in uh, 99 Problems. He, he drops He uh, slips into, like, does, like, this comedy Cockney accent yeah, for the yeah. policeman. Yeah. Which is probably much more like his real accent <laughs> than, like, the rest of the track. Well, well, and, you know, another track of his, uh, you've got... Which is probably the best example of him sort of bridging the two cultures. Cockney, Cockney translation. translation yeah. Yeah. Where he's, like, you know... Uh, doing the Jamaican accent, then doing the Cockney accent. But what's interesting for me about the sort of the, the, the sort of Saxon tracks that are coming out around this time is the references that are so sort of British. Like in Cockney translation, he's talking about you know Terry and Arthur Minder again, and Del Boy. Yeah, he's yeah. talking about you know these characters. And like similarly, uh, a year later in Complain Neighbour, Tipperary is talking about uh, Coronation Street and EastEnders. You know, which are you know not things that are going to appear in, in reggae songs that are coming out of, of yeah. Jamaica at this point. But it's going to appeal to other people, yeah. from where where they're living and where uh, they well, are. Papa Levi, uh, my God, my King, uh, mentions Kenny Everett. <laughs> you know, that's such a specific. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's such a, a, a wonderful <laughs> reference for someone uh, to drop in, and that's that's what gives you know music richness and individuality, isn't it? Just like you know talking about things you know that don't be looking to try and impress someone in Dayton because <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to know who Kenny Everett is and that, that's not important yeah, that's but fine, you know yeah. I do do it for me so that I can uh, recognise that reference Snooker loopy isn't it <laughs>
also maybe because uh, a lot of that uh, the sort of sound system maybe is about performing live more yeah. and sort of mm. performing to an audience yeah, that's there point, with yeah. you yeah. so in order to make that connection with Absolutely. everyone there you can drop in these well if you're in front of someone and you look in their eyes and you know they're from you know the neighbourhood to use an American expression <laughs> like it's much more difficult than if you're just putting it on wax and you're hoping to sell it to people in America. Like yeah. It's just you in the studio and the engineer is, you know, yeah. well used to this kind of thing. No sleep, Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> He's heard it all before, hasn't he? So, yeah, you brought with you uh, some records, including Hard Noise Untitled with, like, hand-scrawled, I say, title, white untitled link, title. Yeah, yeah. Which we're both That's... quite excited to see, yes. it, in the flesh. Yeah, something you sort of read about. Both, both uh, same track on both sides because they didn't have any other any other tracks, <laughs> and uh, it's too expensive to get an instrumental done. <laughs> but it does sound good. It's and it's still, like, it's probably yeah. It's like the the classic sort of track of that sound. I think of that era. There's an interesting point I, I stumbled across about it. I don't know how true it is, um, but it occurred to me, and it's something we talked to AJ about that loads of these crews have like more than one DJ. And he was saying about getting, you know, different methods and sounds and whatnot in. But I read somewhere that the sampling laws in Britain were a lot stricter than they were in the States. So it was almost like they couldn't construct the music in the same way as they would in America. You couldn't sort of sample it. I mean, you know, also you're talking about these guys that, are, you know, it's very much sort of DIY culture. So mm. they haven't got the money to sort of go to publishers and go... Can we get the rights to this? Can we get the rights mm. to that? I think this. I'm not. I don't. That might be true. I'm not sure. But it just I feels like DJ was... skills would be much more important if you're sort of if if you can sort of rely on on breaks and and scratching and and you know actual methods rather than we'll drop a chunk of this in and drop a chunk of that in there. Do you know what I mean? And it would give it a sort of distinctive sound. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the whole sort of like sampling laws and that really kind of they really clamped down on it are sort of like into the 90s well there's I've a, got a feeling because definitely all those old all those old sort of classic 80, like late 80s hip hop records that were like just full of samples you, you know uh, none of them were listed or, or it takes Nation Millions to hold us back couldn't be made today because it would cost something like 25 million pounds to get clearance on the samples it takes £25 million to <laughs> hold us back. So Hijack was the first UK hip-hop uh, record you got. Did you ever see them live? Yeah, I did, actually. I saw them when they did a, they did a tour, like, when was it, about 1990? They got signed to Ice-T's label. Yeah, Rhyme Syndicate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and That's they, a great name for a record label. Yeah. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I saw one of his records in Matt Records in Campbell Green, what? where they've got some of these ones. I can't remember what it was called. I'll, I'll know if you say, but Ryan Pays. Oh yeah, and yeah, it's, it's just his first album, yeah. Right? I mean, it's just I mean, it's just the case that things, especially when you haven't looked at records for a long time, you know, because obviously everything's all music is invisible now. But like, <laughs> you know, just the fact that it's on a 12 inch is incredible. And yeah, it's like yeah. an album you've never seen, but there's like a scantily clad woman is standing he sitting in, in a car. car He's in a car, she's standing there. in a car with like kind of quite high riding uh, bikini bottoms. <laughs> and it's just like, you could just stand in there all day, to be honest. <laughs> Sorry, man, you saw Hijack. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So they did a tour, and I saw them at like uh, Brixton, Brixton and Academy, and they kind of it was like Ice Tea, but they were the yeah, support. yeah. I was going to say support. yeah, that's a lot of uh, big venues. So. But like um, yeah, I, it was like it was mad and hide. It was weird because like hijack definitely had more support. I know it's kind of like their home turf, but yeah, it's a home. It was like the nice team. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, wow. I mean, I can team, imagine that. He, yeah, but I mean, we're talking about a band that you know. No, but they in Brixton, massive. they're all from. Yeah, Brixton. no, no, but you don't. But play in Brixton Academy. It's not like they're playing like the Fridge or Plan B or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty it, big. Yeah, news, and it was it? packed, but they they got like a much sort of like louder response. Right. It was like chanting. And, and of course they had like a bit more of a, I think they're the only ones I can think of who had kind of like a more theatrical sort of approach to the stage show and they had, right. it was sort of like, because they had all this whole, you know, sort of like hardcore terrorist group yeah, yeah. type Aesthetic. thing going on. So they kind of like had sort of like acting bits and stuff. Like Public um, Enemy where they had like the Yeah, like they've got the S1W and, yeah, marching. Yeah. They had the same kind of sort of theatrical bit going on but it just made it like it a pretty mad spectacle but yeah they they totally uh, ripped it up and it was uh, yeah it was great seeing them live they're a band that um... they come up at the beginning and Comanche Sly the, the whole show starts with like dry ice and all that or a flare or something and some guy comes up probably in a balaclava with like a sort of dead body <laughs> like, <laughs> held up, an actual dead body, a bloody, bloody dead body in yeah. maybe a hijack t-shirt, <laughs> and and sort of like drops down to his knees and puts him in the dry ice, and there, I think there's some music going on, you know, but then it's Comanche Sly and he rises from the oh, dead, right, right, right. and then like sort of everything Don't just the show <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, Comanche Sly um, is in hijack. This hardcore hip hop group uh, from the late eighties, early nineties. After Hijack breaks up, he becomes known becomes known as the as unknown MC. Do you know about his later career? After that, yeah. after the uh, Do you really like it? Well, yeah, he's that. That's such a bizarre. Do you remember that track? Yeah, it was number one, wasn't it? Yeah. And just from they were never he was he was part he's, of it. Yeah? He's one of the masters of ceremonies. Masters of ceremonies. Yeah, I think DJ Pied Piper's his cousin or something. They're like related. I do remember, yeah, but yeah, I remember hearing yeah. that record and going, "That sounds like Comanche." Because you've got a, <laughs> he's got a pretty distinctive voice. Right, okay. Yeah. Sounds like Comanche slide. But like listening to some guy like, trying to sound like, like Comanche slide. Yeah. <laughs> that dry ice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they mention. Um, South London in the track as well, didn't they? Do they? In Do You Really Like It, yeah. There's a, a mention of... Uh, is it South London, Germany, or a specific place? So there's some sort of South London reference. But do, they which mention, do they mention Peckham, Streatham, well, this is it, Vauxhall, obviously. Brixton? The tradition of Hijack doing mad South London shout-outs, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, on Style Wars, uh, South London shocks Yeah, is, is their cry. But yeah, the one you talk about, Hold No Hostage... This goes out to the people of Brixton, Stockwell, Vauxhall, Peckham, Shram, South London, Serbs. It's pretty strong stuff, isn't it? These back, are all well, back to Brixton, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... You, you, you listen to it, you think, oh, I've never heard this before. Yeah, it's really odd, isn't it? 
This was happening around me while I was growing up in uh, these places. But it's weird to think also that like a lot of um, a lot of sort of what's come from hip hop now and what is sort of what is sort of like dance music and, yeah. and hip hop now. It kind of a lot of the younger kids recognise sort of like year like year dot yeah. of UK hip hop as being like either if not Dizzy Rascal, <laughs> then like mm. So Solid Crew. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah uh, and then really no knowledge of anything that was before that yeah. at all. But maybe that's kind of the, the the sort of the artists from that time's fault really because that's how they they kind of wanted it to be. Yeah. You know, if you had any success or, or commercial, it's like a really bad thing. Yeah, you know, the you last thing he did was sign a record deal, wasn't it? As hardcore <laughs> as possible. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, like Hijack got in trouble essentially for signing with Rhyme Syndicate, didn't they? Like people sort of thought they'd sold out. And they did, didn't they? They moved to America. Yeah, it didn't really work for them either. No, it? nothing That's really the, yeah. happened. It was like, yeah, they signed a big deal, but then, yeah, nothing it didn't go anywhere, did it? I mean, what you do is basically the hard noise pattern where you do a double A-side white label single, then you do a follow-up single with two more tracks, and you go, that'll do. Yeah. You've got three songs out of us. Be glad of that. If, it, if we do anything else, it'll just be uh, compromising our ideals. Another interesting act, Catch-22, with... And this is another guy I've never heard of. But once you said the name to me, I was like, how have I never heard of Hunt Kilberry Finn? Just a brilliant it's a name, isn't it? Name, yeah. Just tremendous. And like he's great as well. I lo- and I love him. I think, is it in the burial... Pre- there's a track of burial proceedings in the course of three, three nights. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, where it says, Hunt Kilberry, you're finished. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, in Catch 2 as well, you had him. You also had DJ Killer Man twice, which <laughs> is, uh, you know, not bad. Uh, one track of theirs that fascinated me when I heard it. Um, I don't know if you like The Dance of the Shadow Boxer. No. Don't it's from know 1993. And basically, it's a hip hop track built around more or less exactly the same samples as Shadow Boxing, the Wu Tang track. From 1993. And there's no way that the two bands are aware of each other, is there? You'd imagine. Well, they were going to be aware of Wu-Tang. But, but like, I think their one, like, they would have been recorded at the same time. Son of Noise is the band that came out of, or one of the, the sort of groups that came out of uh, what was Hard Noise. Um, so it's DJ Sun and Madder from Hard Noise, Q-Rock from Gunshot, and DJ Renegade who goes on to become one of the Scratch Perverts. Is that true? I didn't know that. Yeah. Is that right? Apparently. Oh, right, okay. Which yeah, I is, didn't know that at all. Again, a pretty big deal, isn't it? Like, Scratch Perverts were just ridiculously... Yeah, I mean, they won... Four it? in a row, five in a row at DMC? Possibly. Something like that. They yeah, just, yeah. they were essentially like... And again, like, I always, I, I knew the Scratch Perverts, but the idea that one of them came from South London never even occurred to me. Yeah, it makes sense that these people went on to do other things. Yeah, they? absolutely. You know, they all did. It it's just sort of, and like Scratch Pervert seemed like a natural progression. You sort of go, all right, yeah, I suppose if Scratch Pervert's going to come from somewhere, it's going to come from this really interesting, vital sound. 
the idea that do you really like it is coming out of the same tradition is <laughs> uh, just fascinating to me as well though it doesn't seem natural I love the idea of you listening to that track again is that Comanche slide yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you got some Blade records there as well yeah yeah um, yeah he was sort of pretty I think that was the second actually this Blade one Lyrical Maniac, that was like this, probably the second UK hip-hop record I bought. But that time I knew. <laughs> that time I knew it was... Uh, <laughs> well, was well it is, that, is that on 691 Influential? No, nah, that one's on, I think it was Raw Bass. Okay. Yeah, Raw Bass Records. Oh, because it's early on, so they wouldn't have had the label. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the track we're going independent. Then uh, afterwards, <laughs> yeah, forms like 691 Influential. But, yeah, he's kind of like, I don't know, he, he produced so much stuff, and he's so, like, he is sort of epitomises that sound. But he was also definitely the guy that um, had a real sort of, like, you know, like like small press comics, like a sort of do-it-yourself attitude he had, which is, like, it's harder to do with records than it is. Yeah. Um, you're relying on somewhere else with the production. Yeah. But in terms of uh, actually making the record himself, and also, you know, uh, uh, you've mentioned to me before, he would just go out on the streets to sell. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd bump, I bumped into him at least, you know, two or three times on, like, New Cross tube station, and he was there with his record bag of records that he'd just pressed. And he just got Just pushing it, yeah. Yeah. Just trying to sell them on the street. And I think on, on one of on one of the records it says what in our press it says it says pre something like pre-release. Oh, so he sort of differentiate the ones that he sent himself. Well, I think it was more of a um, more of a sort of like pro- way of might not be true, but this this one, which is rough it up, it's like it's like an EP, but it says pre-release product not for sale except on street corners and groove. <laughs> <laughs> Groove Records was like in uh, what was it Dean Street or Big Street? Oh right, but it was like the main. That was the place like, you went to. Uh, record yeah. shop. Yeah. So from that, he's saying it's either you buy it in Groove Records or off me when I'm walking around New Cross. <laughs> Six Nine One Influential got the name from the was it the dialing code for uh, New Cross? For New Cross. Um, oh right. Yeah. So it would be like O One Seven One. Yeah. At this point, I guess. yes, uh, six no, nine one. Oh one. Yeah, oh seven one. Yeah. But who? I know me. Uh, dial history. It's unfortunate though that the yeah, um, yeah it's not six nine one. The phone number. number at the bottom is uh, <laughs> call TYBN telephone oh seven one four nine. I mean, this would be interesting. But see if anyone wants to read this. Oh seven one four nine zero oh seven one one. Yeah, on the back of the records underneath his name, she says, "Ha ha, the joke is on you, bro." Which, you know... No, I just paid, like, what? Three, <laughs> three, <laughs> three, <laughs> That's the thing, you know, uh, as you said earlier, um, music now is, you know, for a lot of people, just electronic information that you remove from a computer and you store onto, I think. Uh, it's, never... Or sound. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and music now have... is sound-based. But doesn't have a, a, a physical component in the way it mm. once did. And I've never been, like, a mad vinyl head. 
But just looking at these, you do think it's a bit of a waste of opportunity. It's a real sort of... There's a canvas there, isn't there, that you can do something yeah. with. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd argue that he's not necessarily made the best use of the no, canvas. Maybe no. lose the inspiration. But, like, there's loads of in-jokes. No, I like it, and, yeah, 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 I like it. That's what I mean, yeah. It is, it, it, again, it's rich, isn't it? There's, there's a lot going on there. And it, it's a nice thing where... And the whole self-producing, it's not like you've got to run this artwork and co- uh, copy past the record company. And they're sort of going, we can't just put... Ask people in Lewisham's contact details. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Huck. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks for giving us a full list of uh, hip-hop acts in South London from 1988 to 1993. Much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, places to find us on the internet, at SLHC on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash southlondonhardcore. Email us, southlondonhardcore at gmail.com. Lordhurt.com. You definitely want to get on there. Have a look at those bazoic uh, work in progress. Definitely. Comics Reader, Steve, which you're in, Herc's in, is available. £2 comics, spelled with an X. Get it from Gosh, if in doubt. We've still got copies of Static Revolter 2 and 3 in the shop. Both brilliant. Fancy Butcher on Twitter. You know, if, if you want to get things back in print, demand it there. <laughs> And I'm on the Fighting Cock this week, Tottenham Hotspur podcast, if you want to hear me talking about Tottenham. Um, it's the episode of, like, last Friday, 15th of November-ish. We'll be linking to it on Twitter and oh, Thanks, Steve. I'll have a look on the... Oh, but there will be some filth on it, I imagine. Like, not from me. Spurs. But, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but actual explicit content. <laughs> just to be clear but, you know, uh, joke's a joke but it will be horrific 